0: Yeah, um, cool. Gordon. What is up, Sir Mindsets Nation? Uh, back again with another episode of Sir Mindsets. Today, we're going to be talking about a startup called Topmark, which is founded by Quinn OSHA, another one of the, uh, what do you call it, uh, guests that KitCaster, I believe, has uh, sent our way. And, you know, after just looking at Topmark from a glance, uh, I can see that. It's always going to be interesting conversation to talk about cars and and, uh, vehicles and and how people are monetizing their cars and and things like that. But um, yeah, joining us from uh, Houston, Texas or Austin, Texas is Quinn Osha, the founder of Topmark. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me and uh, excited to be here. Sweet, man. Can you give us a little bit more of a sense of uh, what Topmark is just um, at, at its current stage?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, a really easy way to understand it is just, it's the kayak for selling your car. Um, So you can go in there, put some information about your car, uh, mileage, color, whether you've rammed it into a pole, stuff like that. Uh, And then we get you cash quotes uh, from a bunch of the top online and local dealers. So rather than having to go to a bunch of different places, you can just go to one place, uh, do one search, and then see all of your offers there.
0: Nice. Is this um, uh, is it, this live right ahead. now? Do do people uh, try it out and it has worked?
1: Yeah, we we launched mid last year, so mid 2021, um, and we've been seeing sort of 50 percent um, or up to 100 percent month over month growth, which is cool. So there's definitely people using it, and um, yeah, it's it's been been growing quickly. I think people really easily understand the concept, uh, especially once you see it. You're kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get that. Um, And so that's been helpful.
0: Nice. Where where did you uh, get the inspiration to to make this? I mean, um, yeah, how did that come out? So this is is sort of our our third iteration of a
1: product, but this kayak-like search mechanism really came out of something that I was doing on a regular basis. Um, I had started a platform that was really a a peer-to-peer marketplace. So individuals selling cars to individuals, Mm kind of like Craigslist, Um, But over time, you know, every time I got a new client, we would start by going on all the online web services and then also local dealers to get quotes just to see what it's worth. Because, you know, if you can get enough money that way, there's no reason to sell it, you know, individually. Um, And so I kept doing this over and over and over. And then I started building it to do it automatically for me. And the more I talk to people, the more I, I realized that that was you know, really something that people just wanted on their own. Um, and it's something that hasn't been done before. Uh, you know, the, the technology behind it, it's not as obvious as it may seem. Um, <laughs> so, so there's definitely some hurdles there, um, but I think we've made a, a pretty big leap uh, ahead and, and it's been cool watching people react to it, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. What uh w- w- well actually for myself, I tried to sell a car that I had. It was like a 1994 Geo Prism back in 2020. Geo
1: Prism, nice.
0: I think actually one of my problems was who's was gonna buy this thing because I didn't think anyone wanted a beaten down like 25-year-old car. Sure. There, do you guys serve only like new cars? Or is this like um any car really that's yeah, so our our
1: our goal is to be able to facilitate any car, and that's you know really where some of our benefits come in versus going to one of the individual sites. You know, because the the argument can be made, okay, you know, why do I need top TopMark? I can just go to each of these sites and you know get offers from them. One, that's more time consuming, but two, in your, especially in your case where you kind of have an older car. The, the typical websites like Carvana or CarMax that most people have heard of, they probably don't want your car either. <laughs> so they may not give you an <laughs> yeah, offer. Yeah, they
0: were not give me nothing.
1: <laughs> but there are quite a few other um, websites that do specifically deal with kind of older generation, um, sort of lower priced cars. And if you don't know about that, you're not going to go there, but those will probably give you a much better offer on that type of car. And so by going through us, you can really see all of the options and you can see for your specific old car, like, okay, Carvana doesn't really want it, but this other site actually will buy it.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty interesting. Um, so you guys, I mean, is it a marketplace startup here where, you know, you charge or how, how did you, how do you guys, I guess, exactly make money? And Yeah. So of, uh, it's,
1: it's, it's we, we pay or we charge on the back end um, so dealers uh, pay to, to get access to provide offers. Oh wow. um, so so from the the dealer's perspective, it's essentially like a wholesale auction house um, which is something that they typically they're very used to in the space and that's how they acquire inventory right like the dealers have to get used cars on their lot somehow um, and wholesale auctions is typically how they do it. Uh, so essentially, we're just providing another service to to be able to acquire inventory, and it works out both ways because so we can get you know the sellers more money, um, and then we can get save the dealers money as well because we're actually cutting out um, a pretty major step in the um, the supply chain where it go your car goes to one dealer and then that dealer sells it to a different dealer by taking out that middleman. We're we're actually saving both sides money, so. Uh, the value proposition is quite interesting as well.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think like, you know, since the pandemic began, there's been a lot of people purchasing cars and not wanting to ride the bus or the train or whatever it is. And um, uh, maybe from like a market perspective in terms of like what you guys are seeing, what what, uh, perspective on like the car sale market and I guess this demand from dealers as well.
1: Sure. So I think one, one interesting aspect that we're definitely leaning into is the whole concept of direct from consumer. Um, you know, if you ask anybody in the automotive industry, they'll kind of tell you that the, the industry lags the rest of the the world and economy by about 10 years. (laughs) Um, so, you know, direct from consumer really skyrocketed in consumer goods, like laptops, uh, cell phones, stuff like that, right? Like, uh, that transition from using wholesalers and distributors and stuff like that uh, to direct from consumer happened about 10 years ago. And, and now in automotive, it's, it's kind of just now happening where these car dealers want to buy directly from you as opposed to going through wholesalers. And so that's a trend I think that is just starting in automotive. Um, I think a, a still relatively small percentage, like 5 to 15% of cars are, are this direct from consumer. But I think we'll see that trend Go exponential and, and become a much larger percentage, uh, you know, within the next decade. Um, from a pricing standpoint, I mean, the market's insane. I, I, like, there's not there's not a lot else to say other than you know we can talk about some of the aspects that are causing it. Um, your your mention of like demand for cars by people who hadn't previously had one—that's definitely a thing, uh, right? Like. People are moving out into the boonies. They're getting out of urban locations, and then they find they need a car now, right? Like they didn't need oh, yeah, one yeah. in the city, but if they're going to live in, you know, the hills of Idaho, they're they're going to need a car. And so there's got you've got new demand, but on the supply side, um, there's basically three big problems. The first is the chip problem. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about it, but the like um, integrated Semi- circuit,
0: semiconductors and stuff like that. Semiconductors,
1: yeah, that. Those shortages are causing major problems across all vehicles, but especially trucks. Um, That's why (laughs) trucks are just astronomically expensive right now. Um, In addition to that, uh, you had this really interesting thing in 2021 where basically the rental car companies all dumped their inventory because nobody was renting cars and they flooded the market, uh, killed car prices. But then as demand for rental cars came back, you know, these companies started trying to buy back all these cars, and that has just skyrocketed prices because you know enterprise rent a car can pay a lot more for a vehicle than you or I because they're going to actually see a return from it. Um, and so, for them, it's a business expense, but for us, it's a personal one. And so, they they have just been pushing those prices further and further up. Um, and then the rest is just like general supply chain problems, right? If you go to the grocery store, you can barely get like a bag of chips. Exactly. Um, or you're like five of bucks milk.
0: And I, I put them back on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, like today it was
1: crazy. I went I went to the H E B and I went I was walking down the like the medicine aisle and like half of the stuff isn't there. I mean I it's I don't know what happened over Christmas or whatever, but it's it, it is actually insane. It's something I've personally never seen before, except for during hurricanes in Texas. Oh, sure um which i guess we get all the time but it's not like a normal uh, occasion and and we really are seeing that and so as you can imagine if we can't get medicines places you know it's pretty difficult to get cars places too
0: yeah yeah so uh, let's uh let's say uh, i'd love to like learn a little bit more about the the product you guys have so say i'm a car buyer right does it just work i go to topmark.com i'm selling a car or can i also be a buyer and look for cars through youtube right Currently, we just help you sell your car. Just sell um, <laughs> Eventually, you
1: know, we may be able to expand. But yeah, right now we're just laser focused on helping you get rid of your car.
0: Wow, yeah. So does, um, um, uh, I guess like other than saving time, is it more of a, uh, you know, this is also just you can make more money using Topmark since it's, you know, how you said the kayak where uh, the best buyer for the car will probably be looking or will be easier to contact it that way? Is that kind of the, the idea? Yeah, so I think there's there's a,
1: f- a few reasons why we can save you, the, make you more money when selling. I think um, the first is just that we provide options that you may not have thought of, right? Like we just list out options that, you know, somebody who only sells their car once every six years probably isn't gonna scour the internet for all the different car dealers that want their car. So that's sort of step one. Uh, Step two is the fact that even through the ones that you may know, they're not always the best, right? So CarMax really wants like, you know, Toyotas and Camrys or something. And then maybe Carvana, uh, you know, they really like the, the crossover 2016 to 2018 models. And so they'll pay top dollars for that. And so, for an average car, we see you know about twenty five hundred dollars spreads between like the lowest offer dealer and the highest offer dealer. Um, and then, if you go to like high end cars, which you know we tend to err on trying to to facilitate sort of more luxury vehicles, that spread can be you know well over four thousand dollars. So suddenly, you know, going through us just checking all your options can make you up to four thousand dollars more. Uh, And I think that, you know, that's a pretty significant value proposition. Uh, An interesting thing for us is trying to educate people that that exists um, because, you know, we have to tell them that that exists before they use our service, but it's hard to get that across. Mm. And a lot of people think, you know, generically, um, you know, the the phrase like, oh, automotive is a like cars are a commodity these days. Like, um, you know, everywhere will kind of give you the same amount. I think that's kind of a, a something that people have like sort of spread through in the through the universe in, yeah, in the country, sure. and oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like an education campaign for us to to teach people that that's not true. And checking your options can be quite valuable.
0: Yeah, actually, one of uh, my pretty good friends um, or two of my friends who have Tesla Model Threes um, were saying the car went up in value, and they were getting offers from dealerships, and um, you know they wanted a dealer was offering forty three k for like a 2019 or 2018 model three with like close to 50,000 miles. So wow. that was inter- interesting. And and then another friend who has like a red model three was getting like 60,000 as an offer, which was more than he bought it for. And I guess, you know, the whole car thing is like, you don't necessarily need to own the car out front to sell it, right? Is that I mean, that's that's also no, def,
1: definitely not. I mean, as long as you're not in negative equity, um, yeah. which is a whole whole other problem <laughs> um, that you know, yeah, is is never great. But generally, you, people don't own them outright when they sell them; they just pay off the loans and take whatever they get no, out of it.
0: That's pretty. That's pretty cool too. Yeah, I was. I guess my experience with cars too kind of varies since uh, well, I, I leased a car, but then I put it on Toro to. Okay. see what would happen and i, I mean I, it was pretty cool like to just give somebody the keys and come back a week later and make like 500 dollars or something like that and then no yeah the car the car the car market's always always interesting i think another question i have for you is sort of like i was looking i guess just over your experience and uh it's i mean during the pand- pandemic you talked you mentioned earlier that um you were thinking moving moved to san francisco but then decided to go in Texas and you created a company during, you know, the summer of the 2020, right. How did that uh, decision come to be? And I guess like, you know, somebody with, you know, talent from coming like from Caltech, the, the MIT of the West, like what, what, uh, <laughs> what, uh, what, what made you make the leap here? And like, who, who kind of, how did like, you know, out of this, the decision choices of, you know, get a engineering job at a uh, company that's, you know, hiring versus make your own company. How did you?
1: Yeah, decide? I saw. So I think um, I'll, I'll unpack with that with sort of the first part, which is just the, the pandemic timing. Um, I was actually based in Sydney, Australia uh, for 18 months before I moved to Texas, um, doing something doing enterprise sales. And so I was—I I had quite a methodical path to my entrepreneurship. I, I went into the typical tech company uh, after, you know, you mentioned doing sort of the, the tech role. And I, ha- I went as an engineer and then I worked as a project manager um, and then I, I moved into sales. And once I got kind of a complete view of, of the tech company, at least, you know, in, in my eyes, I was kind of ready to move on and do my own thing um and so that just happened to coincide with when the pandemic was starting and i had already put in notice i was supposed to be moving to san francisco but then again you know that was like the hot spot at the beginning i don't know if you remember (laughs) Um, it's all all a blur now (laughs) i know right it's i mean it's so long ago it's crazy now but uh at the beginning it was basically new york and san francisco if you looked at a map like those were the two spots and nobody really knew what was going on and so i said okay maybe i shouldn't take all my bags and fly into this hot spot. So <laughs> instead I, I went to Houston and I laid low for what I thought would be a couple months. Um, ended up being, you know, almost a year. Um, and then I just said, you know, Austin, it's definitely a big, a growing tech city. It's got a lot of the things that I like. I personally wanted the beach. So that's like the, the one big thing it's missing for me, but it does have the river and, and lakes and stuff. So, you know, physically, it just it just made sense within the context of like the current culture and current current environment. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned in terms of sort of the timing in, in building a company, this was very much like planned out. Um, I had to kind of you know zigzag within COVID, uh, but beyond that, I I really had always planned as soon as I graduated from. Um, you know Caltech with with the engineering degree. The plan was to do to do a startup. It was just sort of when and how. Um, and uh, yeah, once I once I f- felt comfortable, I just sort of had to push myself off the ledge. Uh, I'm not exactly one to do like two things at once. Um, I highly suggest that if you can, you should keep your day job, and then yeah, for- you know work on yeah. your startup on the side. Uh, it it just makes way more sense in so many ways. Um, but that's just it's just not my, how my mind works. I had to be a hundred percent all in and on one thing. And I knew that. And so I sort of had to just take the risk.
0: Oh yeah, no, that sounds like a pretty fascinating journey. Just, um, getting into that. Uh, do you think that there was like a thing that kind of catalyzed your decision to get into creating a startup? Um, I mean, is Caltech a pretty entrepreneurial college, you know, to people or,
1: um so they I think they're getting better. Um it, it, it's definitely a research organization. Yeah. They they are very very focused on you know sort of producing new and innovative research in, in sort of all of their main fields. Uh I don't know that it's I would call it a particularly entrepreneurial yeah. school. <laughs> um, but there there are options if if you want to be and I think they are getting better at that.
0: No, most definitely. Um, let's get into like how you kind of created the thing. So, like, I guess you had an idea first, right? And then, like, you know, like building building a product. Did, did have you done that before? I guess, like, with um, you know, making building code, like writing code, and I guess making yeah, making I, ha- software I hadn't. To get the source. Code.
1: I had some some background in coding, but I that was the first thing I did when I quit my job was sort of boot camp myself for two months to learn to code. Um, and then from there, I sort of fought through the rest. Uh, I took a really iterative process in terms of building, which again, you know, may not be the best idea. You know, you certainly want to go out uh, sort of interview customers, like actually talk to people that are going to use your product versus just like building in a basement somewhere. <laughs> uh, but as I mentioned, like this is this is uh, the third iteration of the product. So essentially it's it's grown from feedback from users. So as we built, tested out things, we've gotten feedback from, from people, you know, this works, this doesn't. We run into some roadblocks, some, some bigger roadblocks and some walls, and then we've just kind of, you know, swerved our way around those. Um, you know, it's my, my mo- main focus is just like progress, not perfection, uh, I was literally trying to bang that into my head this morning when I didn't know what to, to work on. Uh, And it's really just, you know, just put the pen to paper, like start doing something. And and after you get the ball rolling, then you can like, you know, course correct. Uh, But a lot of people, the inertia is just so difficult that it ends up, you know, killing them.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think um, I'm pretty similar too. I think uh, I used to be more of a perfectionist, but then uh, I just... You know, realized perfection didn't even exist exactly, and then, <laughs> and then I just uh, yeah, I think I think the whole thing too. You know, along with talking to fifty people about the subject of entrepreneurship, um, whether they were VCs or whether they were founders or, or um, I guess like a CTO or any, anything, that are in the executive field or just friends of people, was that uh, uh, that yeah, everybody takes a different approach, but uh, it's, it's certainly what works for them. So. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah,
1: th- I think uh, it's it's interesting. And I assume that not everybody works this way. Yeah. In my experience, it's probably <laughs> there's kind of two major groups. It's like kind of the just run for anything and, and get distracted. And then there's kind of the perfectionist, which like try to figure out exactly what the path will be before they go. Um, but it's interesting in self-reflection because I'm I'm so much the try to figure out exactly the way it's supposed to be before you even start. It like, like I, I will just sit there for hours. I mean, I will literally do nothing for hours just trying to figure out what the first thing I should do is. Um, yeah. it's, it's just such an interesting thing that your brain can be so wired in a very specific way.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. Me too. I think, uh, I mean, it certainly depend, depends on the environment and all that. But uh, I think with me, I think I'll just, I guess some tasks are more uh what do you call it time consuming or less fun than others but uh i'll definitely you know overthink something or go slower or like sometimes the computer is acting up or like one of these things right and just like fuck doing the next thing that I was supposed to do and, then, and yeah it kind of messes things up but something i'm working on though so <laughs> oh, that's good um, that's all you can do you're right you're right uh some some random stuff i'd love to hear about um from you is are you a car enthusiast or is it is this kind of like what oh is yeah part? i
1: lo- grew up around cars um you know my my dad was big into them my brother uh we went to car auctions like you know pretty much every weekend that was kind of the thing we did so uh definitely grew up around them grew up loving them
0: just, what is uh if you, if you were to put in your top five uh i guess favorite cars or cars that you like to own what would you uh, throw in there Ooh, um in no particular order either <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah so
1: i don't know yeah the convertible 911s are great um the carreras yeah, yeah yeah yeah. just absolutely love those cars course, yeah um uh you know and i'd love like a crossover suv the i don't know if you've seen the lamborghini like urus Uh, it looks kind of like this, this weird, you know, big dinosaur of a car, but it's pretty cool. Um, and then once I get past kind of the basics, I'd start going exotics. So, uh, you know, I'd probably, probably want an Aston Martin, maybe an Audi R8, uh, Lamborghini, uh, Aventador is probably around that one out.
0: Yeah, no, those are, I mean, a lot of the price range, but I've seen them a couple of times and. I think I think I do. Got to check them out more more in depth next time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're
1: th- those are all pretty pretty expensive. Obviously, uh, you know, they're definitely not what I'm driving
0: right now. But yeah, in, oh, okay. in the dream garage, <laughs> no, most definitely. Um, something else we could I'd love to hear too is like, what's the long term vision here with the uh, the company? Is it replace or is it be like number one in SEO and Google yeah. search or like what's what's kind of the goal?
1: Uh, I think. Yeah, the, my, my goal is when right now, when, when somebody in, in my family or in the average family decides they need to sell a car, typically what happens is they say, hey, yo, who, who, was, who was that person that likes cars? Oh, yeah, John or like Henry or whatever. And then you get referred to like your family member that is the de facto car person. Right. Like, I, I don't know. Does that happen in your family? I feel like it happens in mine.
0: In uh, mine, we know we, I haven't really had too many people who tried to sell a car other than me. So, <laughs> uh, well, so, so ge- generally people
1: like the, they're not totally comfortable, right? The average person isn't comfortable like making uh, doesn't love making decisions about their car uh, yeah 87 percent of people dislike going to the car dealership so there's clearly this like discrepancy between like the service uh, and the people like using the service and so like my my long-term goal would be you know when somebody decides to sell their car if they ask somebody or or like if they've just heard of us that the first thing they think of is I'm going to just go to TopMark. like that's just the de facto even if they don't end up using it to sell their car or they use some other method at the end of the day, I want everybody to start at top mark to see their prices so that they have a feel for what they're, what they're looking at.
0: That's pretty, pretty cool. I mean, um, do, do you think that's going to be, I guess, like how, how do you think that happens? Like what, what needs to be done? Like, you know, hire more people, raise money. And I guess a lot of combinations of yeah,
1: I think, all those uh... things. You know, step by step, uh, it's that's definitely a long road, um, and certainly in the way of that is like, you know, one of the current big dogs in the space is Kelly Blue Book, right? That's kind yeah, of sure. <laughs> a well known n- known business, and they've been around for many, many years, and and to get to like the level of their their brand is is going to take a while. So I have no no misunderstanding that this is like an overnight sensation. Um, we're certainly focusing on geographies first. Um, so our strategy is sort of, you know, Texas, Texas based first and then expand. Uh, it's much easier to sort of build a, a concentrated audience. Uh, but yeah, we just, we raised money uh, very recently. We're entering an accelerator program uh, next week. That wow, goes for congrats, months. That's yeah, great. thank Sounds you. Fun. Uh, very excited about that. So we'll be hiring, you know, starting to hire um, actually right now. We're hiring an engineer, so if you know any good software engineers that want to work at a car company, you know, uh, let me know. Um, but yeah, then just really sort of try to hit the hit the gas in terms of sales and see how things go.
0: No, yeah, I like I like that uh, approach, man. I think I think the yeah, I mean, aside from cards being cool, like the, the 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 company's mission and problem solving solution is pretty interesting at the same time. Well, I guess like a couple couple more things here, man. I mean, we talked about how you you know built the company from scratch and all the decision making behind this, and kind of like the forward looking uh, perspective. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like what the day to day is like, built you know as a founder of of TopMark and like what is that you know and from a work uh, from a work and effort uh, perspective? Is that like you know you're spending all day? trying to get sales and then, you know, the next day you're trying to do, um, you know, continue to build the product up uh, and then marketing and I guess all the other things, uh, you know, that come, come with this uh, uh, lifestyle. Like, can you tell us about the day and day um, and, uh, you know, how it's, how it's been for you, I guess, personally?
1: Sure. Um, so I'll start with sort of like the the you know, some, the specifics or the nitty gritty or whatnot and then sort of talk about how it's personally affected me because it's definitely sure. a, a big thing. Um, so I, I'm a solo founder, um, which I don't necessarily recommend. Uh, but if you can do it, it gives you a lot of freedom, especially early on because you're not, you know, fighting or whatnot with, with a partner who you may or may not know very well. Um, but that means I have to do everything right now and um, and I, I can't remember where I heard this, but maybe it was from, from a book, but generally their, their argument was that you should spend 50% of your time on traction and 50% of your time on product. And I think that's a really good way to look at um, your time expenditure. And it's something that I do now very strictly when I look at my calendar every, every week, you know, I make sure that I'm spending uh, about 50% on, on gathering traction, whether it's marketing, sales, um, you know, collateral, whatever. Fifty um, percent of my time on that, and then fifty percent of the time on product, uh, because you know the saying, "If you build it, they will come." You know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard. Generally, is not true. Uh, <laughs> last thing you want to do is is work six months on a product and have spent zero time on figuring out you know what your what your path to to sales is going to be. Um, and if I've learned one thing, I mean, I've learned to code, which is cool and whatnot, but in this experience, like my how much I've learned about marketing um, the different channels, the difficulty of all the channels, uh, some of the benefits, like stuff like that is uh, especially coming as coming in from a technical standpoint. If you don't invest time early on, you're going to kill yourself later. Um, So even if it feels like you're not moving as quickly by building your product up really fast. I promised you that the time you put into to marketing traction is probably going to be more valuable than any time you spend on the product. Um, so that's kind of sort of how I, I try to spend my time. And then obviously there's fundraising, which goes into there as well, which kind of takes out of the amount of time that you have overall. Uh, and then just general business stuff, which is again, pretty frustrating, but you know, it, it ends up not being too, too bad. Um, from a personal standpoint though it's this is something that's that's generally you know I'm struggling with and I think everybody does early on is you know how much is enough um, coming as we just talking about sort of being a perfectionist and stuff it's it's very difficult for me to ever let up um, or ever like give myself an allowable break but that doesn't mean that I don't do it um You're right, so, yeah, sure. <laughs> so you know I think one thing that I'm specifically working on is is when i take breaks from work really giving myself that break right in internally in my mind saying you're not supposed to be working right now like you have the freedom to think about something else um and that's harder than like one might expect or that certainly i expected and so uh it can kind of it can be a difficult process but it's certainly it goes for so long that you can't just like grind it out um on your own and you really got to come up with ways to to take your mind off of it and and give yourself the time that you need.
0: No. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, what you said is right. I mean, um, one person can only handle so much. I, I think one more thing I'd love to learn more about is like, how did you, I guess maybe as someone who hasn't done as much marketing in the past, or I guess coding in the past, uh, how did you adapt your mindset to, to be able to be able to do these things? Right. Because maybe naturally somebody is good at, um, I guess product right and being engineer, but or business, but they are like they're good at uh they're good at engineering, but not necessarily business, or they're good at business, but maybe they lack the skills in fundraising or all this stuff. Like, um, uh, how do you, I guess, uh, switch? You know, try to try to uh, tell yourself to to do stuff that is probably innately hard, or you know, yeah. Stressful. So I think. Certainly
1: motivation is difficult. um, And it's easier to be more motivated in things that you like to do. Um, I don't want to get too far into that. But like, certain as an entrepreneur, you have to be self motivated. It's just kind of, if you're not like, don't put yourself into this position, because it's not going to go well. Um, I, I think there are ways there are books that you can sort of read about and trying to become more motivated, but Um, basically the, the assumption is that if you want to do this, you're, you're very well and very aggressively motivated, uh, in terms of like actually learning new verticals. Um, that's something that I've actually quite enjoyed. And that's one thing that Caltech really did do well for me because, um, the one thing that they, they teach there, um, is really just how to solve like unsolvable problems. Um, they they really they they pride themselves on basically giving kids like just problems that are just just way too hard for them. <laughs> um, like I, I mean the the averages obviously they they scale them and whatnot, but the averages on on tests and assignments and stuff are just brutally low. Um, but then they allow this culture where you can work with um, your classmates, right? Even for tests, you can work with your classmates and and sort of knock out things, and so. Um, I, I learned this basically, like to get comfortable with coming up to something where I like feel like I know nothing about it, do a little bit of research, get a little bit further, you know do a little bit more research. And so I think like if you can not even master, but if you can become good at that, yeah. then, like that's yeah. fundamentally all entrepreneurship is. It's you know pushing yourself into this new space understanding that you don't really know what's going on and then finding ways uh, of learning new things. And so whether that's reaching out to somebody, you know, who's in that space, um, Googling it, Medium articles have been great, Stack Overflow. I mean, there's so much on the internet. Uh, and then you just spend time on it, like just literally keep doing it. And eventually <laughs> you'll like push through the wall and then you'll be like, whoa, I feel like a genius at this. And it's it's really empower, empowering and it, it's pretty cool.
0: No, yeah, that's pretty impressive. I love that answer too. Um, Just, you know, thinking about school and your school particularly getting you kind of already used to solving difficult problems and, you know, uh, taking different approaches to those problems. That's pretty awesome. Um, We're coming up towards the end of the podcast. Uh, Quinn, it's been, you know, incredible hearing about your journey and like how uh, this has all um, started and and came to be. The last couple of questions here are um, you know if you were to give advice to you in caltech when you were 20 what would you say uh, uh that's sort of the first one of those. Uh, i would
1: i would have said uh, do it faster uh i think uh, you know i i spent 4 years at, at a tech company and i learned a ton and you know i i think i'm using a lot of it but like this was this is like kind of the perfect job for me i love it <laughs> Uh, and I probably could have, as I mentioned, learned a lot of those things that I gained kind of just by doing. Um, so, yeah, I, I would have just said, don't be scared. Just just go for it.
0: Sweet. Uh, next one is how would you in your own personal or in your own words and um, one or two three sentences, how would you define your startup mindset? Oof, man. Uh, 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 I just got a total
1: Uh blank there. Uh, How would I define my startup mindset? Um, Man, I wish I had thought about this uh, before this, but uh, I would say, you know, I'll I'll borrow from a few different big companies. Uh, I guess, you know, learn quickly, iterate fast, and again, progress, not perfection. That's honestly... Yeah, you
0: know, that could be the whole thing. Um Wow, no, that's a that's a that's great. Um you know, you know last last thing here is how do uh people learn more about Topmark yourself and kind of like the whole the whole shebang?
1: <laughs> yeah, so um the Topmark website is T-O-P-M-A-R-Q. Uh it sounds like a K, but it is a Q. Um, and so topmark.com, you can go to get, get your offers, uh, in terms of connecting with me, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Quinn Osha, and then on Twitter, uh, Q underscore Osha. Uh, I love, you know, (laughs) connecting with other entrepreneurs. Uh, I generally do some mentoring and stuff and, and I'm always happy to help people who are thinking about dipping their toes into the entrepreneurial world. So, uh, feel free to reach out.
0: Hey, Quentin, this has been uh, really fun, and I just hope people uh, you so you know, enjoy the conversation. So uh, thanks again the podcast. Yeah, thank it's you. Your host Have a good day. And <laughs> yeah, if you guys would like to hear more, subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify or any other services that um, you're listening, <laughs> listening to us on. And uh, yeah, more to come from us. We just launched our website, and we're going to be launching our Instagram pretty, pretty soon. Check out our website at startupmindsets.com and uh, follow us at the startupmindsets.com on LinkedIn or Instagram. So yeah, thanks again.